I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. Of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined by Jason. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Marvellous. And we're also joined by Matt Cooper, a former guest of ours. Matt, welcome. Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, purpose of this week's preview, uh, or the first of two parts, is uh, the first Ladies Major of the Year, the A Inspiration. Matt, I'm sure you're very excited to, uh, to kick off the season in a big fashion. Yeah, yeah, I think it should be good. It's, uh, it's. Uh, I'm still not entirely convinced it's the best situation for the first women's major of the year, uh, being the week before the Masters. Yeah. Because I think it sort of gets a little bit lost. But, uh, but it is. Uh, I'm about to turn into Tiger Woods. It is what it is. <laughs> uh, so let's just, <laughs> you know, just get on with it. Yeah. It is. It is kind of. And we had, with Jason, we've just recently had a podcast, haven't we, with, with Hannah Holden in the sense of how we can improve the spotlight on the ladies' game. And certainly what Matt said there in a very quick sentence is that you've kind of sandwiched a major championship for the women the week before the Masters when you know full well there's going to be people just building up to Augusta and having all their attention on that and maybe not even considering this event this week. Yeah, I, I, oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to jump in there. I, I think one of the biggest problems is... When it comes to telling the story the day after, and and I generally think that getting people to know what characters are like is how you get people to like uh, any sort of sport, whether it's just you know whether it was cycling going from being a sort of nothing sport in the 90s to being the massive sport it was uh, until recently. Uh, it, it's all about telling stories, and that just uh, in this event it doesn't really happen on Monday because everybody's talking about the Masters. Yeah. Uh, so it's 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 not so much what happens this week as as that lost opportunity uh, next week. Yeah, I'd agree with that completely. And Jason, I'm assuming you echo those comments as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, it, it, I was thinking about what it is that that is the re. Obviously, you've got TV coverage and the time it's on, and the fact you either have to change channel or, or watch the highlights late at night. But anyone who saw, I mean, I watched last year's. Matt, obviously, you know, know it as well. Um, you know, the three-player playoff and then, um, not a controversy, but, you know, booting it into the um, <laughs> grandstand, if you like, to get the to get the drop, which has happened before. I mean, Arjun Atwell done it in his tournament, didn't he, many years ago. Um, it, it was absolutely, it was an awesome playoff. Um, and the women's, if the women's tour, we said it with Hannah, you know, is, is an outstanding watch. And I was trying to think as to why it is that it doesn't get it. I, I was looking for viewing statistics and stuff like that, but I, I can't find them these days because obviously it's all, you know, catch up and, you know, on demand. Um, and it was really, I didn't know whether it was a betting thing and the percentage of people that watch golf that, that have a bet on it. And, and therefore watching that live is, is the key to the viewing figures. Um, it, it was an outstanding. I mean, you, you look down the list of, of winners that have won here, you know, you have got surprises, you know, Lindbergh was surprised, but then you've got, you know, Lydia Ko and Ryu and, and Lexi's won, Inby Park, obviously one of the greatest. Yanni Zeng, you go back. And, you know, these are proper world, okay, they weren't necessarily official world number ones, but they were top, you know, three or four in the world. Outstanding players, outstanding to watch. And you still get the nerves down the, you know, down the closing stretch and you can see the players having it. And it's just a surprise. And, and we're doing this because, you know, we won't mind, you know, even if we, in our very own way, we can stick 
a handful of people on to watch it. You know, awesome. Watch last year's highlights if you want a preview. It's absolutely outstanding. And, and that's the thing is that, like, for me, is like you talked about there the, the sort of backboarding controversy on 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 that hole, the island green, and how that took a, a lot out of those shots and people planned to hit that backboard and and that was kind of one of the biggest stories of the week. Not the fact that that Miriam Lee beat two of the biggest up and coming talents in the game. One in Brooke Henderson that was a former major winner already at a very young age, and Nelly Corder, who we expect will go on to win majors herself as well. You know, that should be the story, shouldn't it? If there, if there was, if there was DJ Rahm and Spieth in a playoff at the Masters, no one would be talking about a rules drop on on Friday, and and that's where. Or, 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 or the, I, I I don't know. I I think you can kind of say it would be because i actually think controversies are good for the women's game yeah it's a bit yeah. like when i was at the 2015 Solheim cup which is probably the greatest controversy thing i've ever been close to which was when yeah. uh, okay sorry, sorry. Uh, uh no this is the one when suzanne Peterson. uh i've gone forgotten alison lee picked up her ball before suzanne Peterson gave her the putt yeah and it was so it was just a sensation but the entire story was utterly mad but even as it happened Everybody who was watching it uh, knew that if Susan Peterson made an issue of this, it was going to backfire horribly. Now, it's also very difficult because Susan Peterson was very frustrated at the time because Alison Lee had been picking up balls uh, with an assumption of a gimme throughout the whole tournament. I'm not saying sort of seven or eight times, but caddies and players were aware of this and getting quite frustrated so she was quite right to be quite right just about this irritating player who was who was taking an element of the game away but at the same time by getting angry about it she was doing the only thing that would allow america to win at that point because america were absolutely down on their knees i remember paula creamer was in tears behind one of the stands because the, tea, the crowd were cheering her on to get better and she just knew she hadn't got it and America were just, they were just flawed. And the only thing that got them back was the fact that they were absolutely furious that their teammate had been made a bit of a fool of. And it's also quite interesting. They've never since then made much of a fuss of this incident. And, and I've sort of had it said to me, it's because they know she cocked up. Yes. But what they did was they used it to fuel the belly and their fat. You know, they, they stoked their indignation and they used it to win. But they very quickly just shut down any discussion of it ever since because they know that she was in the wrong but um, but that controversy, at the same time as it was like it was chaos, it was also like it was on the front front, you know, it was at the top of the the mail online, and it was getting loads of hits. Well, women's golf never gets that, no. and it's it's kind of weird in a way that it's like a bit like I remember when Dustin Johnson didn't win the PGA when he went in into that playoff yeah. with, yeah, that has a, that was a massive story. So it, it, in some in some ways, it's kind of like frustrating because it's not the thing you should be talking about. But sometimes it's the thing that brings people in and actually gets eyeballs. That's another terrible phrase that I've used. I'm going through them tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. So it, sometimes it, that's that's what it takes to come and watch. I mean, it, I, it is interesting that the, the difficulty of getting people to enjoy watching women's golf. I I don't entirely understand what's the problem is a bit i sometimes i know some people will say to me it's just because it's not the best golf that's out there uh and i find it i think that's quite interesting i i i I, at the very least i can understand why people make that that argument and it's actually and and actually i know uh some women golfers who make that argument and they attend the open every year and they don't watch women's golf so it's it's not a purely uh one directional uh 
uh, argument. But what I find very fascinating is that an awful lot of people who will make that argument are people who love watching non-league football and actually will be quite proud yeah. of putting that non-league football day when everybody watches it. And they'll be quite proud of the fact that they love the FA Cup. And the first, second and third round of the FA Cup is not the best football in the world, is it? We all know of course, it. Yeah. But, but what, what we do, what, the reason why we watch all of that less of sport is invested in the fact that there's somebody playing sport it hurts and if it wins it's fantastic and somehow that's the message that I don't think is getting across with uh, with women's golf uh, I think it's I, I, mean, I think it's sort of coming across in other women's sports but somehow it hasn't quite yet transferred and actually you, people like me have got to hold their hands up because we're the people who are supposed to do that <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm, a, I'm a golf journalist that's what I'm supposed to do so uh, to some degree the fact that I haven't helped um, cross that barrier is, is, you know, kind of like a fault of people who are right about it. Do you think there's... Uh, sorry, sorry Tom, hold on, sorry, mate. What, what, what do you think of... Um, I don't know if you listened to uh, the interview with Hannah, um, and she made the point about um, there's, there's, there's opportunities, maybe only once a year, for um, some sort of team event, cross-team event, the President's Cup is what she mentioned, um, yeah. whereby you could have you could have a mixed four-ball or mixed foursome, um, which would then elevate elevate the women's, you know, the, the women players, the top women players, to at least to the viewing public, those who want to tune in to see Dustin or whoever plays Sergio play, um, or any of the Asian players. You could have, you know, the, the top Asian golfers, uh, women golfers playing, you know, Charlie Howe, um, you know, like you say, the Corder sisters, etc. Just bring them into a bigger a bigger viewing audience. There, there is definitely room for that. Uh, on the one hand, I think yes, definitely. And I, 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 my, my mind takes me back to the golf sixes. Do you remember when they had they had a few? Yeah. For instance, uh, Charlie Hull and Georgia Hall represented England in that and took on Eddie Pepper and Matt Wallace in the first round. And I was I was stood on the tee when Charlie Hull hit the first shot, and it it was just sensational because she just stuck a ball down, hit it knocked it to about three feet and just walked off. It was just it was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. It was just it was this classic Charlie Hull. I mean, just wasn't fussed by the situation. And I think I think Eddie Pepperell and Matt Wallace sort of jokingly ran off. It was all it was all it was quite funny actually. It was it was all, it was all accidentally a little bit like <laughs> some sort of nineteen uh, seventies uh, sort of uh, sitcom, which I don't think was quite the vibe that they intended to, <laughs> to put off because it's, it's got lots of echoes of sexism. But um, but uh, the point they were really making was this girl's really, really good and we're quite frightened about taking her on. So I think there is an, I think something like that potentially is very good. The, the, the thing I sometimes think to myself is at the same time, some of these other events haven't really worked. So you think of things like, like when I think of that New Orleans Zurich Classic Pairs event on the PGA Tour, yeah. instantly I think that, that's a week to turn my attention off and stoke up enthusiasm for other weeks. And uh, and although I enjoyed the golf sixes when I was at it, I was less interested when it was in Portugal. Um, so part of me thinks that those events don't quite. Uh, I, know, I almost feel like a, a lot of, you know, you know, you were discussing that business about whether punters are, are uh, sort of fuel quite a lot of interest. Yeah. Part of me thinks actually they'd be less interested in those things. 
but I think there's actually a demographic that would be very interested in it. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the sad things about the loss of the golf sixes. When I went to those two events when they were near Watford, the difference in the demographic of people who are watching that those two events compared to normal events was absolutely staggering. It's never been the same before or since. It was younger people. It was more women. It was more diverse culturally. Uh, it was just it was a completely different kettle of fish. So I think it's really, it's really quite sad that that's been lost a little bit to the on the schedule. I think there's also an element of of um, insecurity from male viewers in the sense that they they feel like if they watched it is because they're they're doing a favour and it's seen to be doing the right thing and and they almost feel like now that it'd be forced upon them as opposed to. In my head, I'm just thinking, if you were actually just to stumble across it and put it on the TV, you'd be just as gripped by that. You'd be amazed at how close they stick their hybrids and woods and everything to the pin. And, and you'd start to enjoy it just as much as if it was any other event. Um, and, and, and you kind of want it to happen naturally as opposed to trying to transition everyone over and kind of force it upon people. It's a very delicate situation to try and get the right people interested in, and to make it sustainable, I think. Yeah, I mean, and, and ultimately, it's about it's about getting people to know what what characters are like, and yeah. and sometimes some of the some of the very well meant things that you attempt to do, it's it's like actually, it's a very there's a thing that people talk about uh, the business of of uh, of writing, and it's like it's tell uh, show don't tell, so it's like I, I think there's some there's some line about don't tell me the sun shining, tell me about the glints on the on the surface of the water and the point being that if you just say the sun's shining it's just boring and i think that there's, a, there's a there's a tendency with like a lot of social media and people just like go oh women's golf's great yeah and it's kind of like that's quite a bland thing to say it's like just just telling us it's great doesn't work you, what the, the secret is to sort of like just demonstrate that it's good by by just showing good shots and, and competitive action uh, another, another thing you've got. Uh, I mean, I I learned a lesson in in that I was very I was very well. I've been doing this for about ten years, and, and, I, and I just I, I just go along to women's tournaments partly. I, partly I did it because I got the opportunity, and then I just kind of liked it, and I just wandered around and chatted to people. Found it a slightly more relaxed environment to be around. It was very easy to chat to players. Uh, was kind of liked being around it, and and because of that, I got to know a few players and things and but it was very obvious to me that uh, for instance south korean players people just they found it very difficult to differentiate them and it's very very it's, it's quite a difficult thing for people to discuss that because they don't appear uh, racist yeah but people were having difficulty with it and and i thought to myself right i'm going to sort this problem out what i'm going to do is i'm going to go to south korea and find out what's going on <laughs> and it's like so eventually i did and so the week after the Ryder cup in 2018 i went to watch the international crown which is like a it's a an international team event, and I thought to myself, this, this event going to South Korea, it's never gonna it's never gonna be bigger than when it's there. It's a great opportunity for them. They're never gonna have another event that's uh, like that that they can celebrate uh, the sport. And we we're all all told that South Korea loves golf. It's a massive thing, uh, and it was very funny. With it, I'm not I, this is completely true. Within 30 minutes of walking. Uh, down the street in South Korea, I was laughing at my at the fact that I suddenly realised, you know, 
South Koreans are just like everybody else. They're, they're completely different. Everybody that came at me, I, they were in different clothes. They were into different stuff. They were listening to different music. And quickly, that transfers to the players. I'd be, the four players were in the team. I saw all their different personalities straight away. And it was like a, it was like a really vivid lesson in the fact that if you just make an effort to try and learn a little bit about people, you suddenly, you know, all those sort of difficulties sort of ebb away. And it actually, that sort of uh, that sort of problem that we have with being able to tell the difference between uh, the personality of nationalities. To some extent, actually, I think British golf people within women's uh, golf are actually guilty of it a little bit with Americans because we, they are a bunch of uh, people who have been brought up in country clubs mostly, and and they're, so they're quite sort of you know uh, they're, they're quite similar in the way that they uh, they chat that. I can remember there was a very strange, very strange experience at Royal Birkdale for the Women's Open one year when the Orange Day Parade took place. In uh, uh, we're doing very big subjects here, <laughs> religion and racism. But it was the it was the Orange Day Parade in, in Southport, and the American players had encountered this in Southport. Now I encountered it and was absolutely gobsmacked, but I'd never seen anything like this in my entire life. I thought it was the most bizarre thing ever. But at least I had some inkling about what was going on. These American country club uh, uh, golfers came out and they had never seen anything like it. I mean, it was like they'd been landed on a different planet. They had, I mean, they were watching sort of grands in wheelchairs being wheeled through the streets <laughs> of Southport, drinking super strength lager at nine a.m. They didn't. They had no idea what they were what they were looking at. Uh, but again, when you first see all these, you think, "Oh, yeah, they've all all they've ever done in their life." Like there is what I'm, it's, it would be unfair for me to say, it, but there is one there is one player, for instance, who I've been told has never used cash in her entire life, um, <laughs> and you know she's sort of I think she's about thirty now. She's a major winner. She's been around the world. Apparently, yeah. never used cash. She's never had never had the opportunity. That is mind blowing when you think she's never been to like a corner shop or just some sort of shop. Um, uh, but that's like the sort of closeted experience that they've they've sort of had. But then the, the more you get to know the players, you discover there's somebody like Mo Martin, who was brought up in a very ordinary existence. A grandfather, I think it was, helped to play golf. And her story is far more deep and interesting than that. And actually, there's loads of people like that. So it's it's just it's very it's it's difficult. You have to go scratching beneath the surface to find these stories. Uh, and Sometimes they're just they're quite difficult to get a hold of. I I wish I knew what the secret was because uh, if I did, I suspect I'd be better at my job for one thing. <laughs> Do you think also, Matt, that because it's a um, it's a sport that women's golf that has been dominated by South Koreans uh, and and you know very early on the, the, the Swedish and, and Annika Sorensen. Do you think that the fact that there hasn't been it's not been dominated by Americans, so I think it's like the top. I think it's ten of the top fifteen career money leaders are are international players. Do you think that has an impact on on how exciting people get as well? Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting point. I don't. It's very difficult for me to t quite get a grasp on what Americans make of yeah. the LPGA tour. I'm I'm not in. I I, I don't think I would have a good grasp of what of how that's felt in America. I know I think I get the impression it's changed. I think sort of ten years ago before Mike Wang got involved in the LPGA, 
there was something called Carolyn Bivens, who was uh, the chief executive. And the difference between her and him is quite spectacular in how they tried to, to deal with the fact that Koreans were doing so successfully on the tour. Uh, she was she was quite sort of angsty about it and quite aggressive. And, and it's quite strange because they basically used a very similar strategy, which is try to try to teach the Koreans English yeah. and also try to draw their personality out. But 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 she did it by sort of making an edict saying you have to learn English, which <laughs> just looks really crass and just yeah. and ugly. Whereas he just like he he did it by just like going, you know, it'd be great, be absolutely fantastic. He spoke a bit of English, really helped <laughs> with the sponsors. People people really get to know you, and we can tell the story, and it would be like just great. How, how do you fancy it? <laughs> it's like it's such a simple thing to do to sort of encourage people to help you out, help you out, as opposed to like say you must do this. Uh, and he's actually he's done a fantastic job, and uh, it, it, he's he's somebody who has changed the the the, uh, the sort of. The, the tone of the tour yeah. and he's done it in, in in very clever clever ways like that like he's managed to get a lot more sponsors on board and he's done it by going to the players and he says things like i expect quite a lot from you players i want you to do this 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 and and what a lot of it amounts to is i want on the pro-am days you to go out and really put yourself out there to make those pro-am golfers have a great day but and then he says but if you do that I promise you that I will get you more sponsors, more prize money, more tournaments that you can play at. And and, and basically the two things, you know, the players did what he asked and he's produced what uh, they wanted. And I think also the, the uh, my guess is that the media interest is, is improved uh, over the last 10 years as well. So I think it, he's, he's definitely done quite a lot for the game. Yeah, I think so completely. I think there, there's certainly an element of people uh, drawing to it and flocking to it, and hopefully, yeah, uh, that continues to rise. Without... I, I, sorry, I will just I will just jump in and say one other thing that I do not understand, and this is this goes beyond just the difficulty of men getting into women's golf, and um, and that's something that is the fact that uh, Charlie Hull has won the Tour Championship on the LPGA, uh, Georgia Hall has um, won a major championship. And it's very, it, it intrigues me that those two are not bigger sporting names in the UK. Yeah. When you consider that if 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 they were ten, I, I hate using this example because it's just it's, it's an easy one, but it's also very straightforwardly good. If they were tennis players, they would be massive names in this country. Yeah, I completely agree. They'd be all, they'd be all over television and, and the media. But it's but weirdly, it's not just that. It's um, the explosion of women's sports that you see where crickets, when we won the Women's Cricket World Cup final, uh, the Rugby World Cup had the semi-finals and final on terrestrial television, women's football's getting massive. And it's interesting, uh, a lot of the people who support that explosion of those sports are actually quite notable for almost ignoring golf. And I can't work out why women's golf is not only sort of very secondary to men's golf, but it's kind of secondary to that explosion of women's sport. It hasn't really ridden the wave. I think one element of it is something that Mel Reed would say. If, I mean, I've, been, I've, I've talked about this with her, and she's friends with a lot of people who play professional football. And she says uh, I mean, part of it is, is that she makes an awful lot more money than they do. 
So I think a lot of people who are part of that explosion of women's sport think golf's sort of okay now and don't recognise that actually it's kind of struggling in, in to some extent. Yeah, I would, I would, I would see that. And we, we kind of spoke, Jason, didn't we, about the fact that it was such a shame that Georgia Hall kind of got snubbed for sports personality year, the year she won the Open. Um, and, and like Matt just said, there was our Charlie Holes, a you know, fantastic ambassador for the game, very talented, and, and we don't really hear about either of them. No, I, I'm not. I, I'm sitting here listening to Matt. It's, it's fascinating. I, I think it's great. I'm, I'm happy listening to him, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, it go, I, you know, it goes along with exactly what we, we heard from grassroots level, from Hannah, from, you know, from school level going up. And, and you know, she's a massive fan of, of Charlie Hull as well. Um, and exactly what she said, you know, I want a pair of Charlie Hull shoes, but I can't I just walk into a pro shop and get them. And it, and it goes from grassroots level all the way all the way up to the top, doesn't it? Um I think that's where it starts, doesn't it? The, um, you know, we're sitting here forty somethings, or except for Tom, who's like thirteen or something. Um, <laughs> you know, we're all sitting here, you know, pontificating, and and it does. It starts from the grassroots. This is where people need to get interested in it, and I, I do think it's changing. Um, um, and yeah, like I say, it's uh, you know, hopefully this this you know, if this puts five viewers on, then then you know, as far as I'm concerned, we've done our job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it, I think it is changing, but there there are uh, there are some odd. I mean, like I once went to a golf club and was chatting to a secretary, and he was sort of bemoaning the fact that his numbers were were diminishing uh, to a worrying state. And I just happened to say to him, "Oh, how many how many uh, women and and girls have you got as members?" And he went, "Oh, we don't want to go down that route." Absolutely. And I thought to myself, <laughs> what, what, scary, a bizarre, what a bizarre state state yeah. you're in. Where I mean, that's that's a bit like you know, like a shop that's struggling and it, it can't get any customers. Do you and know part what? Of the problem is that half the customers it doesn't want to get through the door. Yeah. It's like you'd have no sympathy for some for a shop owner like that. Yeah, yeah. We we covered this, didn't we? And it was, it was we went on, you know, same as cricket committees and stuff like that. It's a very very slow change. Rather than oh yeah, you know. Um, Will allow um, a couple of a couple of you know in cricket girls can play down 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 a league at junior cricket and that's just because you know that may be a physical thing you know, we're not go down that route and it's very much oh yeah you know we'll, we'll have a couple in it's it's started to to really take off but it's taken a long long time and a lot of youth to come on a committee and I, this is from personal experience a lot of youth has had to come on the committee and, you know wait for the old boys to die off before that mentality can come in. And I'd imagine it's going to be the same as with, with golf clubs, to be honest with you. But, yeah, I'd expect it to get there. And, and obviously, the more, you know, people are going to, girls and, and, and ladies are going to play golf because they want to see heroes on television. And, yeah. and you know, it, this is the start, isn't it? I, I think there's also potential for it to change because I think a lot more a lot more fathers nowadays, if they're, if they're girls that are quite fancy having around the golf or walking around with you, Dad, and got into it, I think it's far more common now where the dads would like go, all right, and if if they quite like it, just have them play with them. Whereas yeah. like the 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 old the old style way that a golf club would be put together was it was it was an opportunity for for men to get away from women. <laughs> it's basically like a sort of, uh, and that that's that, that seems to me to be part of 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 the social makeup of of uh, but and it's also different. If you, I, I played golf at Richmond, I think it's a municipal in Richmond Park, once, and it was 
it was one of the most enjoyable rounds of golf I've ever played in my life because basically I would say 40% of people on the course were uh, were women and it was and actually what it was was it was lots of South Africans, Australians and New Zealand uh, expats were playing and were all over the golf club and uh, just to so happen 40% of them were women it was just kind of quite normal for them and I could me and my mate was just walking around just like going this is this is just really fun it's just it's just kind of nice. So I th- I'm pretty sure stuff like that will start to happen far more often. Yeah, I think I think it's certainly changing, and, we, and hopefully the sooner the better. And uh, if we can shine a spotlight on it as we do, then uh, then all the better for it. The ANA Inspiration is the event that we're talking about this week. Uh, obviously, as we've already said, it's the first major of the year. It's a week before the Masters. Um, Inby Park comes in as favourite, Matt. She won last week. She's a former winner of this event, and she's also got a second and a sixth in the last uh, four starts as well. So, rightly the favourite, would you say? Oh, I, I, I think so, yeah. She's uh, she's sort of rock solid. Uh, I mean, uh, her, her swing, uh, you know, her, her long game swing is like a sort of rusty gate uh, slightly i mean if, if 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 her swing was a was a gate you would you'd rehang it, it it's, it's a it's a ropey <laughs> old swing but the, but it like like uh like many dodgy swings on very very good golfers uh she knows exactly how it moves and is is very very uh good with it but the key the other big key with her is she's possibly the greatest putter in the world uh at her best uh, and by that I mean pretty much any, you know, men's tour, women's tour. She is absolutely sensational with the, with the putter. Um, I have one slight issue with her this week, which is that uh, although she's played exceptionally well in this event down the years and has got lots of good finishes, she she kind of needs that long game to be at its best. Where when it hasn't been at its best, she's kind of struggled now. Clearly, she must be in quite good form, but um, like anybody, maintaining that through. I mean, it, like Justin Harding last last week. Yeah. I mean, he was absolutely flying for seven rounds and then kind of struggled a bit. But yeah, if you if you look at her statistics, for instance, it's like when uh, you know, when she won here and when she was third here, her greens and regulation stats were absolutely fantastic. But she's also struggled. Uh, and, and 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 it is a ball strikers golf course, which is not something that is necessarily the absolute strength of hers. So I mean, I it would put me off simply because it's such a short price. But I mean, I I wouldn't be remotely surprised if she's not contending. Is there a bit about it as well that she because she won she's won seven major championships already, hasn't she? But the last of those come in 2015. Yeah. Um, do you think there's any sort of hang over sort of you know try too hard to try and get back in the the major circle because you know to the first one was in 2008 there's a bit of a gap to 2013 the same gap we're sort of talking about here roughly uh then she won three in 2013 one in 2014 two in 2015 is it a case of like she's kind of got away from the habit of winning those and now she's got to do something else to kind of win one i think there'll be a little bit of that but i think it makes quite an interesting contrast with rory mcelroy like i think I think on the on the fretting level, you know, if, if there was a fretting uh, gauge, then I'm pretty sure that Rory is, is sort of at a hundred and sort of fretting to burst higher than that. Whereas I think she's fairly low. I think I think she's she's probably quite quite comfortable as comfortable as you can be with something like that. Yeah. Uh, it's quite interesting when you when you when you flick back to you said that she she won the first three in 2013. 
Yeah. Uh, it was quite interesting because the the next one was the Women's British Open, which was at St Andrews last year. That year, uh, it's quite interesting. I, I'm I'm not by nature much of a layer of um, of 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 players, rather than uh, I'm far more a backer. But um, I think she was something like three under par through three holes that Thursday morning, and uh, and she went odds on to, to win the the tournament. And, and and I just jumped all over it and, and laid her. I was like, this is just this is just potty. I mean, just. Uh, <laughs> but but that's extraordinary to think that somebody won won the first three majors of a year, and then was odds on after like a handful of holes to win the fourth. Uh, that's that's kind of how good she is. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I I think fretting levels probably not that great. I mean, she's she's. Uh, you know, she had three top tens last year. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, when it comes to backing somebody at, at a shorter price as this, it's like if if there's a few little niggles, I'm kind of like, Oof, no, I'll, I'll steer clear. Uh, it's not one that I will be hoofing, kicking myself really badly if if she wins and I'm not on her, I won't I won't be desperate. Absolutely, Jason. I assume you echoes the same comments on those as well. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah, she's a fantastic putter. I think the worry for me is uh, length off the tee and. And, and the, the drives, I mean, over the weekend, um, just gone, um, there were some holes when they were actually fretting that she, she'd sort of make the fairway. I mean, that's, that's you know, yeah. I don't know if you've watched it, Matt, yeah. I mean, that's how short she is, but it also shows how brilliant her approach shots and her short game is. Yeah. The fact that she, can, I th- you know, she, she gagged up. But that that's, sorry, Matt, go on. Well, I was just going to say, I think that plays into the business of, uh, my worry about her long game, which is that um, if either if she's pushing a bit to to get the ball out there, or, or I think it's just her lack of length is going to be impacted on it. This this is a bit of a lot. It's a longish course. It, it has quite lush rough, um, and so if, if there's a bit of pressure on her driving, that could lead to problems with with her approach play. And yeah, I'm, I'm I think we probably nailed it really that the yeah, if 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 put it this way, if if for some reason they priced her at thirty three to one, we'd be like, oh well, yeah, we'll have her. But she, they, <laughs> they haven't. They've they, they know exactly what price to put her. Absolutely. Next up is Jin Young Ko. Um, she's got an excellent record as well. Two time major champion last year. Um, in good form as well. Ten to one. Is it is it a sort of similar thing in the lines of Inby Park, Matt? That there's possibly just a couple of things to to put you off, and and therefore you can't take such a short price. Well, actually, my my preview is up. Uh, ben Coley asked me to put a preview up for Sporting Life as I did last year, uh, and uh, I've actually uh, slightly surprised myself uh, in that uh, I've I've added a win only on Jin Young Ko. Um, it's it's, and I tell you what, her first three visits to this tournament weren't particularly impressive. There were three failures to get into the top sixty, but then, but the second time she started to get to grips with. The tea to green challenge, and then she actually won the event in 2019. Yeah. She didn't come back last year because she was injured, and um, it was a bit it was a bit early for her when it had that September uh, new date. Uh, so she didn't encounter the course last year. Um, she's she her, her tea to green game has been very good this year. A couple of times, uh, I thought she played very nicely last week. Uh, I, I she really impresses me with her mind game she if, if you kind of follow it there are some people who you know they, they sort of they smile and joke when they're on the golf course and you don't really believe that they're really smiley and jokey they're 
kind of just covering up. Uh, I've had quite a good chat with somebody who's caddied for her. We caddied for her when she first sort of showed up on on the at the higher level at the the British Open at uh, Turnbury, and he he said it's what you see is what you get with her. She she has this ability. If she hits a bad shot, she just shrugs and gets on with it, goes and hits the next shot, and it's just it's a very very good uh, mentality to have in the majors. And I think it's it's reflected in what she what she's done. She's just uh, she's just performed exceptionally well in the majors in recent years. Uh, so I'm quite happy to have. I wanted her on side, uh, and so yeah, I've, I've I've gone. Her current form is is extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, she's had one miscut. I think it's the last eight events, and she's had a first, a second, two fourths, and a fifth. So she's clearly outside of maybe in be part the, the the form player on tour at the moment. And and like you say, she's proven herself very well in majors already, and she's still only 25 years of age. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, it, it was like a, it, when she when she. It, it's a strange part of the reason why she didn't. You know, I was saying that her, her initial efforts in this tournament weren't particularly good. Yeah. She had a very strange sort of uh, career trajectory. It's a difficult phrase to spit out that. Um, because she sort of she arrived at that women's British Open in 2015. Nobody knew who she was. She threatened to win it. Uh, she wandered around in this sort of puffer jacket, just having the time of her life. Hadn't played Lynx golf before. The weather was terrible. She played absolutely brilliantly. And you were like, this is amazing. Who's she? And you expected her to hang around and she just disappeared again. And then when she came back from Korea, she she wasn't necessarily all that good in, uh, when she came back. And then she's, she's just grown back in confidence and she's just been sensational for the last sort of two and a half years. Yeah, I, I think it's extraordinary when you look back at how young they are when they first come out on tour and how how young they are and they compete in the very highest level. You know, in the men's game, they're not kind of anticipated to sort of contend for majors as amateurs and 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds, whereas it does seem not commonplace in, in the women's game, but certainly you seem to see them win earlier than you would in the men's game. Yeah, and it's it's perhaps not so much the case in this event. No. Uh, but in a lot of the other majors, the frequency with which uh, Korean and Japanese players emerge with very little experience uh, on the major tours um, actually I should say major tour because uh, I, I, you know, I don't think experience on the ladies European tour is going to help anybody taking on the majors um, but that their lack of experience on the LPGA uh, just doesn't seem to bother them and they do brilliantly, uh, we've seen plenty of examples of people winning you know, in their third or fourth start uh, and, and, and what a lot of that uh, reveals is that the the K LPGA and the J LPGA are very high level uh, and, and very competitive. Part part of the reason is is one of the things I learned on that trip to Korea is that uh, the K LPGA is, is is quite a vicious circuit. So so uh, I remember one bloke telling me uh, a, a caddy who'd been on it in the pub said that uh, they really like to to do the best for the top players. So uh, you know we had the the match play last week and we all knew what the draw was well it was a redraw after every round and basically Inby <laughs> got drawn to play the worst player in the field every, every round <laughs> it was like a total flip and, and, and so the so the thing is to actually get good on the K, klpga what what these guys said to me was you have you're fighting against the system that is is doing its best to help the best players so to, so to to get to the top 
you, you actually have to play really, really well against a lot of very good players. So to some extent, it's all, it, all, it almost makes you think that when they get to the LPGA level, it's almost kind of like, well, we've done the hard job. Yeah, no, I get that completely. Yeah, Jason, anything to add on, on that? No, I've got a circled as well, so it sounds like I'm just copying, really. Um, <laughs> again, she was one. I, I think uh, by Sunday, I thought Imbi Park had won the um, obviously won the tournament over the weekend, and we were just looking behind. I know it's a dangerous thing to do. We say that men's, we say it in anything to watch behind for any of the classier players to see what they were doing. Uh, she hit 62 out of 72 greens in reg um, in the tournament, and and the, as you rightly say, the trajectory of her current form. Um, gagged up at the tour championship at the end of last year. Um, had a chance. Uh, nearly called her one the game, didn't she? Yeah. So um, she had a chance in that. Um, I don't know what the miscut was about. But again, last week, she's back to form. i say 62 out of 72 greens, which is going to help massively here. She, uh, similar, very similar sort of form trajectory is when she won in 2019. She went 29-3-1-2. Um, so it's very, very similar there. She looks absolutely on peak for this. Um, I had it down that the sort of exactly sort of the opposite to Inby Park in that the Pi fives are very important around here. Uh, recent years, winners have gone minus eight, minus nine and minus eight three times. And the surprise was Lexi Thompson, who, given her length, was only minus four for her par, par fives when she won. But she totally exploited the short par fours. So par five is important. She lies fifth at the moment, I think, in par five performance, seventh in Brilliant. par four. Very good. Yeah. She's, you know, she's coming to form. Um, yeah, for me, she should be favourite. I mean, I'm not saying Imbi's got anything wrong with her, but I think in terms of the, the way they're going and the way the course suits, yeah, I, I'd, I'd have co-ahead of, of Imbi Park, to be honest with you. Great. Yeah. Mo- moving on to the next in, in there, Hyoju Kim, um, who was a good segue from the conversation we were just having, Matt, in the sense that she actually won her first ever major start in 2014. Um, at the Evian Championship, and and she's done pretty well since. I mean, she had one year uh, where she didn't crack the top ten in the majors, but otherwise she's gone first in 2014 and won her only major start. Uh, she had three uh, top four top twenty finishes in 2015, uh, top ten in 2017, a second in 2018, and then three top seven finishes in the majors last year. Obviously, a big major champion uh, or contender, if you like. But she's only had three wins on the PGA, a lot more on the LPGA career. But is that is that a slight worry? Uh, I I've got a, a problem with her in that I don't think her sort of long game stats when she's played at Mission Hills have been good enough. When, yeah. when I've looked down winners here, uh, I think you've got to have shown something either hitting greens in regulation or your ball striking ranking and uh, she's only once ranked better than 30th of any of those and 15th was her best so um, I kept it simple I, I, if, if somebody hadn't shown much in that they were enough to for me to look elsewhere so uh, that was kind of like my put off yeah absolutely Next up is the first of the Corder sisters in Nelly Corder. Uh, 12 to 1's best price, 11 to 1 general. Jason, any interest in Nelly Corder? Yeah. I mean, it's a shame. I mean, I know we're looking right at the top, and normally we love to, you know, match the same. And, and everybody who plays really on, on golf loves to say, we'll, we'll, you know, ignore the first six in the betting. But unfortunately, um, certainly in, in 
in the women's game and definitely in um, definitely in the majors. You know, you know, you have to take serious looks. Um, I found a link with my coloured pencils, Tom. Um, <laughs> which again, I love Matt's opinion on this. Um, I don't know how you say it. Is it the Major Classic, the Mayer Classic, that they mm. play on the LPGA Tour? Yeah. Um, and uh, just for example, I mean, Miriam Lee, uh, who won obviously this last year, won that in 2014 from Inby Park. Brooke Henderson, who was second, won the won the Major twice, 17 and 19. Um, uh, Delexi obviously won this, won the Major in two in 2015 and won the Anna in 2014 and lost in a playoff as well to Ryu. Um, so there's there's a massive thing. So I actually went through the leaderboard. That's my, hence my colored pencils of the May of 2019. Anybody that showed a consistent game through there. And it's really interesting because, as I say, Brooke won it twice. Rio's won it and has got placed. Lexi's got a win and loads of places. And and then you have Nelly Calder, who wasn't the player that she is now, with top 10 in 18 there and a top uh, five or six uh, in 2019. Um, look, she's been, again, you know, I bow to, to superior knowledge, but... Her improvement this year has been amazing. Maybe that her and Jessica uh, were more ready, more ready, that phrase, were ready earlier than the others, which is, you know, hence, you know, uh, Jessica's 60 at that um, tournament of champions. Um, and then, you know, she could, you know, she followed around and then the next week came out and won the game. Last week at the Kia, she's only 10th, but... She double bogeyed uh, 17 in round one, double bogeyed 10 in round two, double bogeyed 18 in round four. So she's six shots that shouldn't have gone away from being second. And if she was second, okay, how much shorter can you go at 10, uh, 11 and 12 to one? I don't know, but I think she would certainly be a point shorter. Um, I, 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 yeah, second last year. I mean, you know, she'll take experience. Maybe should have won that last year. Um, she'll certainly take that on. 13th they're here when she wasn't the player that she is now absolutely huge chance um yeah i i, I it's really it, you can't back everybody each way obviously at that price but yeah i mean i think if you put cohen and you put nelly calder in as win only i think that's extremely strong so yeah i'm happy with all those links and um she's going in there yeah matt anything to add on that at all uh, uh, that seems like a very good summary. I mean, ultimately, I've not ultimately I've not gone with that. There's, there's somebody else who's a little bit a little bit longer than that. But I mean, I I, I would it, 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 I think when you sometimes when you get to the we, uh, so far we've we've agreed on the first two on this third one. I, I'm going to disagree, but I mean it's one of those things where I'm, I, it's only it's only a, it's a fine line. And Jason's one end of it, and I'm just outside of it. Yep, no, I completely agree with that. I think both of us Matt, uh, are interested in the next one in Lexi Thompson. Um, obviously, very well known on the tour. One of the bigger profiles, um, I would say, in terms of obviously American golfers. And she's just in great form. She finished second last week. She had a second uh, two starts ago, two top sevens before that. Um, and she's been absolutely phenomenal at this golf course. She, she started slowly here, but obviously she was very young then. Um, she was low amateur and was 21st place and kind of steadied it 24, 22nd, 48th. But since then, she's just been astronomical. She won it in 2014. Um, and then apart from a 20 in 2018, she never finished outside the top seven. Um, that's kind of a massive indicator that this should be the sort of uh, major we should be looking at it for. Yeah, well, she, she loves the course because she's very fond memories of coming here as a kid. 
it's, it's quite funny. It's quite funny when you think about it, isn't it? You know, we always make that fuss at, at Wentworth about, oh yeah, yeah, you know, like when, <laughs> when all the English guys were, were were lads and they went to Wentworth and they got inspired. Well, yeah, Lex Thompson went and as a kid and actually played in the tournament. It's just it's just <laughs> insane. Um, so yeah, so she's she's been going since since she was about three. No, I'm joking. So I think fourteen. <laughs> it's not far maybe. off. Though. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it was brilliant then. Like you say, then she won in 2014. Uh, 2017, she famously was leading by two shots. And then late on Sunday, a referee approached her and said, yeah. um, oh, I've got to talk to you. And she thought it was a April Fool's joke, albeit a slightly late one. And he said to her, I've got to give two points for a dodgy um uh, well, I don't think he used the word dodgy, but uh, for incorrect uh, marking of your ball on the 17th green last night because she'd been dobbed in by a television viewer. And then you're also going to get two-shot penalty for signing an incorrect card. So she went from having a two-shot lead to being two shots behind. Uh, and it was it was just it was extraordinary that, that Sunday evening because like, just everybody was piling on Twitter just with an opinion about this. It was, it was, it was classic social media. Tiger got involved. You know, there's all these pros just utterly furious at, at like a viewer sticking his his nose in, and uh, or her nose in. Uh, and incredibly, she actually got those two shots back and forced a playoff. Uh, and I, this is something that's, that's very rarely discussed about professional golfers, but it fascinates me because the person who beat her was so young, you. Uh, and I think there's an awful lot of normal human beings who would, would who. Uh, not necessarily in this situation, because she might have believed that Lexi Thompson was incorrect in what she did on the 17th. But you know how often professional golfers are up against some bloke and they know that he desperately wants to win this week for some reason. And I, I, I kind of think that if I was in that situation and I'd got wins under my belt, I'd kind of be a bit weak and almost like let them win. But it always amazes <laughs> me that this, it, it's kind of proof quite frequently throughout every year, golfing year just how ruthless you know, sports people are because they don't really care that somebody's, you know, grand died last week and they desperately want to win or the fact that they had, you know, they had excruciating pay playoff loss the year before or, you know, whatever the reason is, they just don't care. They just stamp on somebody. Uh, so, so it kind of fascinates me that you just kind of didn't, didn't care about one to Lex Thompson just did enough to, to, to get past her. But, um, you were also talking about that 20th that Lexi had that's an exception to her, her, her recent efforts. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there is much doubt that that 20th came because it was 12 months after the incident with the official. And I yeah. think basically she just had to relive it so much. She was kind of haunted for a year. Uh, and, and basically my line in the Sporting Life preview was, I mean, if you're haunted and, and as a consequence, you only finish 20th, it kind of proves that the course is a pretty good fit for you. Now, yeah. it's quite interesting. It's, I mean, uh, uh, although ultimately I have tipped her and I think she's, you know, uh, a strong each way option. Uh, I, again, it's one of these fine line things. Somebody could quite easily say to me, well, she's got this shadow hanging over at Mission Hills. You know, is it going it's gonna, to it's gonna be introduced as a topic if she's leading on Saturday evening? And is it going to be something that puts her off? Or is it something that's going to inspire her to go to victory? Um, uh, th there would be times when I'd like to go, yeah, it could put her off. And there's going to be times like now when I think she's in great form. If she's going to do it ever, it could be this, you know, off the back of two seconds. Could be now.
Absolutely. And, and the thing is as well, like you say, very importantly, that there's all this kind of thing that's hanging over her since it happened. And the worst, she's finished at 20th and she's had two top four since. So it's it's kind of like, you know, that, that just shows how well it sets up for her. And if, if that's the worst thing that happens to her, then there's so much evidence to suggest that she should go on and win this. If, if she can free her mind from that, you know, three or four years on now, then then she's absolutely going to fly and, and continue to contend at this golf course because that obviously that one win here in 2014 does remain her only major championship win and that would be something that she'd be keen to to put right especially on a course that she does love yep jason anything to add on that at all Alexis thompson uh it was it was about how many can you back at the top yeah fully respect that she's very likely to finish in the top five or six um it was a matter of um improvement really um and, you know, I, 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 I get the impression, having watched a few times, that she needs to be sort of delivered on the line, really, in front. Um, and when it, came down to, when it came down to prices and stuff like that, I've got um, Nelly as ahead of her in par fives over the last three months and 12 months and ahead in the par fours. And um, it, to be honest, it was down to that. It was, it was I just think there's, there might be that improvement in the younger player. Um, and I think we know what Lexi Thompson's going to do. Having said that, I think we know in inverted commas that she is going to finish in the top five or six, or at least challenge at some point. Um, whereas we don't know with the others. So it was a matter of pricing. As you say, you know, you took the side on Nelly. I'm taking the other side on, on Lexi. Um, that, that, they were the reasons really um, that I favoured others. Absolutely. Uh, in, in the interest of speed, then, in terms of, I mean, my my first pick comes at, uh, or second pick, sorry, comes at 25 to 1. Have any of you guys got anyone to mention in between Lexi Thompson and that 25 to 1 mark? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Ryu obviously needs great, great respect. Um, but no, again, you know, there was too many up there. So I'm done with those up, up that sort of price. I, I wanted to look at the other quarters this year and Jessica and I know Jessica's been around for, for longer than, than Nelly has and you know there's probably a, maybe a little bit of assumption that Nelly is maybe slightly more talented because she's done it earlier on in her career but I think you've got to kind of respect the fact that she'd won just recently in January at the Diamond Resorts um, she had a very good chance to, to play her sister in that and and for me, she's been very solid for a, for a long period of time. Her major record isn't outstanding, but her form here over the last four years is 11th in 2017, 4th in 2018, 6th in 2019. So she's certainly getting somewhere. She missed a cut last year, unfortunately. I don't know if that's a case of the time of year it came up, Matt, or anything like that. But for me, you know, she's got some great finishes. You know, more often than not, she's top 25 here. Um, and, and for me, I thought she was a relatively good price in comparison to the others above her. Uh, yeah, I was. I I had a good look at her because I I you know she's she's proved uh, those three sort of top twelves ahead of the miscut last September. Uh, her long game was very good, tee to green, and she put actually she played really well as well. There's not, there's not a lot you could quibble about. Um, yeah, so I did. I had a, a good think about her. I, mean, I think ultimately what I decided a little bit was I did favour people who played last week because uh, uh, since this Kia Classic has been introduced onto the schedule, everybody who's won this event, not counting last year when, of course, it was like the schedule was completely 
uh, mucked up. But when this event's been held in the spring and the Keir Classic has existed in the week before it, all the winners made the cut at the Keir Classic. And moreover, uh, in actual fact, a lot of them did spectacularly well at the Keir Classic. I think is it, let me have a little look at my notes if I can find them. Yeah, five of the last eight winners had a top three at Keir the week before. Now, I'm, I don't think it's like, it's not something I'm going to entirely hang everything on, uh, says me, given that Lexi Thompson and co fit that. But, uh, but, uh, it's something I'm going to keep in mind, and when it comes to you know, it's it's one of the things that if it doesn't fit, then I'll. Uh, with Jessica Cord, if she'd been a bigger price, yeah, I'd have been really keen, and I would have happily overlooked the gear thing. But ultimately, you've got to pick something that you you don't go with somebody, and that was kind of like a persuader. Yep, I completely agree with that. Who was next up for you, Matt, in the betting? Uh, I went. Uh, I, it's interesting you mentioned Stacey Lewis because I came very close uh, to Stacey. Uh, in my sporting life previews last year, I may have tipped her three times. I can't remember, uh, and possibly I got a return twice. I'm trying to. Have you have you got her finishes last year handy? Definitely once. Um, I landed a place with her. Possibly twice. Uh, I'm slightly surprised at just what a big price she keeps being put up in the majors. Um, she's still somebody who can get into contention for the majors. So I, I, I really good look at her. But the next one I had is Charlie Hull, who is almost like a sort of uh, uh, <laughs> this is a ridiculous comment. But if 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 Lex Thompson is the Marilyn Monroe American, uh, then Charlie Hull's like the Diana Dawes equivalent. <laughs> she she sort she she's she's sort of like uh, like. Lexi Thompson, she was a teenager when she first started playing here. She loves the course. She loves the fact... Uh, her quotes are almost exactly the same as Lexi Thompson's quotes. It's like, I love this place. It's a ball strikers course. I think one of the quotes is it's a proper golf course. She's just uh, got a load of really good results here. Uh, and actually, she had a very slow start last week. She shot 76 in round one, and then she made the cut and... It was only tied 33rd, but after that slow start, it wasn't too bad. I have seen a tweet since the preview went up from Richard Kaufman, the commentator, and he's heard that she's got a bit of a dodgy ankle, uh, but he didn't know any more information. And I've done a lot of searching, and I can't find anything apart from her spraining her ankle in 2018. And I, I hope it's not still a continuation of that problem because she's had a, a lot of difficulty if that's the case. Um, but yeah, she she one of the things with... Charlie is she gets into contention a lot when she's um, plays here. She met, you know, her results just themselves are very good. But I think the last six times she's been here, she's slept between rounds the tournament in the top 10 every year. So uh, I'm quite happy to, to see if she can get into contention again. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, going back to Stacey Lewis, I actually thought she was enough of a price for me to go at 66 to 1 I mean when you think of of women's golf I think Stacey Lewis is someone that comes to mind and that may be because of the experience she's got and she's obviously been around for a, a very long time but her, her current form is actually very impressive and and you know for me that was kind of enough to say because it, if, if it was something like she's got the potential to mix it up in majors and we know we've seen her do it before then that would be okay. But her two of the last three starts, she's finished inside the top eight. She finished seventh last week. 
and her form at this course is is outstanding you know she's got a first she's got four other top five other top fives um and generally finishes inside the top 20 or thereabouts for me uh, someone of her ability of someone of her experience of someone that is as good as she is at golf it's simply put you know she is a two-time major champion albeit you know eight years ago since she last done it um i, I was quite impressed with the 66 to one i think it's just because there's there's a sort of new blood, I suppose, and that and that happens in the men's game as well, Jason. That that, that kind of that price is there, I think. I agree with you, Tom. This is terrible tonight, <laughs> isn't it? We're agreeing and all that sort of rubbish. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Wouldn't surprise me to have seen her at forty and forty-five to one. You, you, you've summed it up perfectly. Uh, yesterday, she finished a perfect round with just a single bogey, which was eighteen, which is obviously a bit annoying. Um, but if I'm going to forgive Nelly Corder a double bogey on the same hole, then then I can do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I felt that was fine. She's got plenty enough experience. She's got plenty of game. We saw in Scotland that she can still do it. And that was obviously horrendous conditions. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I thought 66 was too big. Yeah. I was going to say, Tom, um, it, it was it was this tournament last year that I tipped her for Sporting Life. Yeah. Uh, and she, she finished fifth. Uh, this is quite interesting. She finished fifth then. She was 66 to one then. And she's coming off, like you say, some really good form now. So uh, if you if you put it that way, uh, that's kind of <laughs> that it's, it, it it kind of backs up all your feelings that the same price when she's landed a place and is is off a place. Yeah, not a lot to dislike about that. Yeah, and and also for me, it was just kind of like as Jason spoke about, she won the Scottish Open. Uh, in 2020, it had been three years, hadn't it, Matt, since she'd last won. Obviously, she, she'd had a child in that time and, and things like that. But, but the experience of having that win under her belt before maybe coming to this golf course in the first major of this year probably is, a, I would say, is quite significant in, in seeing whether she can win again this week. Yeah, what, what I like is she's just... If, you, if you're playing a major and, yeah... I don't think this is the absolute toughest uh, major that they play, but it's 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 it's, it's not a complete cakewalk. Yeah. Uh, and, but she's just got she's just got the she's another player who's just got a really good mentality for that. Yeah, she's not going to be fussed if she makes two bogeys on on the front nine on Thursday. She's going to know that it's a long game, and she'll she'll she you know she won't try and make those bogeys up in the next four holes. She'll be quite content to try and make them up in the next. 18 and it, uh, although that sounds stupid you ideally want to make them up really quickly it's, it's 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 having the patience to allow it to take a long time that actually will probably help you recover them in a shorter space of time that sounds like a bit of a cockeyed sentiment but i think you probably understand what i mean <laughs> no absolutely um any others around this sort of number for you matt that you were kind of interested in uh yeah i have gone for um one slightly off my uh Generally speaking, I wanted people who, are, who have who've really proved themselves on the course over a, a long time. But in the end, I did want somebody uh, sort of uh, away from that template a little bit. And so I went for somebody who's only played the tournament once. And that's uh, Jennifer Cupcho, who's okay. um, she's probably best known at the moment uh, as the as the player who won that uh, women's event that was at Augusta National. Yeah. Just ahead of the mass, the last time the Masters was in the spring, uh, and actually, you know, we were talking. You know, we were talking. This is a good point. I hadn't thought of this. You know, we were thinking about what hasn't quite 
worked about women's golf and got people really into it. I don't think I've seen a better a better finish than when she went up against uh, Maria Faso in that. It was like just it was one of the best sort of back nines I've ever watched. It was they were just like they were like a couple of old sluggers. It was like watching a couple of heavyweights <laughs> in in the 1970s, just really trading blows. But just the pair of them were just having an absolute whale of a time. Like Faso has got I don't know what she, she's got like she wears the sort of aviator um, sunglasses. She's just got she's got a heck of a lot of charisma. But uh, Cupcho's translated her form much better to to the professional game. Uh, she's finished sec- tied second in the Evian Championship and tied seventh in the Women's PGA Championship last year. Uh, and uh, she was sixth the greens and regulation at the US Women's Open. Uh, so, you know, she's. I think her long game suits this sort of test. Uh, and then when she played this event, uh, yeah, her ball, she, uh, she ranked quite up in the ball striking stats. Uh, so I kind of quite liked the fact that she's got that strength. And she was second at the drive on championship. Yep, absolutely. Jason, anything else for you to add on that or around this sort of price? Yeah. Uh, Actually, one of the ones that I really, really like quite, which is uh, Inji Chun. Matt, tell uh, me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. That's it. That's it. That's yeah, Inji Chun. So Inji Chun, second to uh, Co in 2016 here, off the third in the major, which I've, I've got this huge link by. So the winner better have done something there. I tell you. Um, <laughs> obviously, I mean, extremely talented uh, player. Won the Evian in 2016. Won the US Women's Open 15 won the Korean Women's Open, so a proper major player. So you look at these and you wonder, you know, what's happening to them. Um, she got the seventh in Scotland twice uh, last year. But the key to this was an interview that I found that said she hasn't enjoyed playing golf for the last couple of years, um, which, you know, explains a, a massive downturn in form. Um, she bought a house in Dallas um, and has been saying that it's not been a shop problem. Last year was a mental issue. Now all is good. Now, you know, it's, it's in front of you anyway. You know, let's go tour tips. It's all in front of you. Rubbish, 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 rubbish. Comes over, has a mental coach that is obviously working well. And she's fourth in the Tournament of Champions, eighth in the Calder's win, uh, fourth again in the LPA Trivon, which actually this is a better run of form than a lot of these. Because those we've been talking about have been having, having positions outside of the top 10, outside of the top 20. Um, Inji Chun's been going for it. Last week sat four off the pace uh, set by Inby Park at halfway. So it was a huge danger and forgot to sign her card um, mm. and therefore got DQ'd. Now, she's got this mental coach. It's clear, absolutely clearly working. She's obviously over the moon with her game. Um, and as a multiple top-class winner, if she's come back to form, 25-1, uh, to 28-1 for a six is wrong. And that is my best bet of this tournament. Um, I, I can round a circle a little bit here if you, if you want. Please do. In that, uh, you know how we discussed it, I went to Korea. It was when she won. She was part of the Korean team that won the first week of that tournament. And then the second week, sorry, of that trip. And the second week of that trip, she she won her her last tournament, the Hannah Bank tournament. And uh, the pressure she was under that week uh, was quite spectacular because she had so many fans out there and they just had these like enormous uh, banners cheering her on. Her nickname's Dumbo over in um, 
in career which comes across as like a little bit sort of uh, crowing but it, it relates <laughs> to the elephant and something to do uh, there's, there's mixed messages on quite quite the reason why that's her nickname but um it was very apparent then that she was fighting a few demons and i think it, it all goes back to the fact that there's a there's a very intense fan club situation in korea uh and uh uh fans of golf align themselves with particular players who they think are very similar to their personality and and Chun had changed her haircut and it had led to all sorts of weird controversy on the internet and uh, she was she was vague about it but she explained that it had caused her a lot of angst and I think basically that two weeks she played very very well but was under pressure and I think I think that is the uh, the cause for the problem she's had since then uh, and, but the one thing that really impressed me throughout those two weeks was just just uh, what a, a lovely personality she was. And, and, and the, the, even when the press was massive, she made an attempt to thank everybody. She just this very endearing thing of, of, of putting her hands together in that prayer thing and giving a little nod to people. Uh, it was very endearing. I've got, I, 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 I actually I tipped I, I, I said earlier I'd just gone looking to see what prize Stacey Lewis was in this event. Last year, and I've just discovered that I actually I tipped Inge for, for that at fifty to one. Uh, so it's, it's quite funny actually. Where this tournament's played <laughs> twice within six months, and between us, we've 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 tipped the same people either in the same week or in in two weeks. So I, I the fact that I was I was interested in her last last year, um, I, I I thought about her again this week as well, and um, I think it's a perfectly valid argument that uh, we've got there. Yeah, I mean I haven't tipped her, but um, if if one of my tips doesn't win this week, I would love it if she won because I think it would be spectacularly brilliant for her. Absolutely. Um, I've got two more people here. I've got Jung Yun Lee six, uh, sixty six and eighty to one is the sort of prices about her. And, and to me, I just thought that she, you know, she's got two starts this event and she's finished sixteen and sixth. Um, neither times I think that she and correct me if I'm wrong Matt I don't think she really contended in those they were kind of worked her way up the leaderboard um, but for me she just stood out as a, as a really big price considering her sort of uh, pedigree and, and, and how well she's been playing in recent weeks it, it, it's an interesting one it's like um, it very much seems to be the case that um, uh, last year she, she was much shorter and like you say, it's like basically she's gone this year. She's gone 57, 59th miss cut, and uh, and and basically people don't don't like her very much, or the books have. Um, yeah, I um, in the end I decided not. I did take a little look and I decided no, but um, I I think it's a very valid excuse. Uh, years years ago, with a bunch of uh, I knew a bunch of people who used to keep their eyes out for class golfers who. When they drift to a certain price, and it's just like they're too big now, you just got to, you just got to back them. And there's a, I think there's a there's a, a fair argument for her being something along those lines this week. Yeah, anything to add there, Jason? I can hear you sort of chuckling in the background. No, it I'm chuckling like... because it just recalled Brooks kept going off at 45 to one. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and that was the argument we had, didn't we? On this was was at some point whether you like them or not doesn't matter whether you think it fits or not. Somebody of a certain class cannot be that price. Um, you know, it's happened a couple of times, isn't it? Um, so yeah, uh, you know, no, nothing other to add than that just made me laugh, really. I mean, other, you know, I think that 
certainly she's got just the one win on the LPGA, but it was the, the US Women's Open uh, in 2019. Uh, she won by two strokes. And then she's got a, a host of wins on the, the Korea uh, Tour. It was six wins. And I just think that you just look at the, the timeline of her major results and she's got a win and two top sixes in the US Women's Opens in four starts. She's got two top 16 finishes here, sixth in the Evian Championship, ninth in the British Open on her sole start. To me, she just she just knows how to turn up for these events and get herself up for them. And, and that certainly sort of appeals to me when I'm looking for people that I potentially think can win a major championship. Um, and the other name, Matt, that I wanted to, to sort of raise and, and maybe ask you a bit of a question on, Aileen Kim. Um, she's 100 to 1 this week. She was in phenomenal form at the back end of last year where she had... Uh, four straight top tens, won the US Women's Open on 13th of December. Uh, missed the cut last week, but there was a big gap between obviously playing there and winning that event. Uh, she just seemed like a big prize to me at 101. Yes, uh, uh, very good. I mean, I, the, the only thing I would I would say, um, you'd have to go back to, uh, I forgive all French listeners for my dodgy pronunciation, but... Patricia, Patricia Mounier Leblanc, who, uh, Le Bouc, actually, who won uh, a couple of years into this century. She was the last debutante to win. It's not yeah. been a happy hunting ground. People would just rock up. They tend to have, have, have had a good look at the place. Uh, but uh, you're, you're bang on. I mean, actually, she, what she did was she fitted completely that, that thing that we were discussing earlier. People who've who've been banging on the door on the KLPJ or the JLPJ and then shows up on the, uh, in, in a major and just finds it a little bit easier than playing at home. It's quite, it's yeah, quite it's, really. it is crazy, isn't yeah. it? And and that's the amazing thing about it is that the amount of pressure, like you say, the fandom they get in their home country and that, you know, coming over here is a bit like a picnic for them. They kind of, they just see it as, as relaxing and the, the pressures, obviously they know the pressure of people being at home and watching, but they can get it done and, and then their week's not as disrupted, I guess. And and for me, you know, the important point you've driven home a couple of times is that, you know, debutants don't generally tend to succeed here. And I've looked, seen that in the course form. It kind of takes two or three years for people to really become attuned to the golf course. I just think that for someone that's last, well, the first and only major start she's made, and it was last December, she won it. Um, you know, she was five strokes behind going into the final day and then won it by a stroke. You know, to me, that, that just stresses to me that she kind of, at 25 years of age, she may have her best, obviously should still have her best in front of her, and 100 to 1 might be a, a really good price looking back. Um, it, uh, it, I think there's every chance that, um, you know, uh, she could be somebody who, by sort of the end of this major year, you're sort of looking back and thinking, uh, that was kind of nuts that uh, she was 100 to 1 for that. Uh but I mean, these these sort of things, slightly odd things happen. Um, uh, so Jin Young Ko, she she drifted. She was like twenty five to one for the U.S. Open, yeah. Women's Open at the end of last year. I mean, I, I still can't believe that price. It's, it was just well, again that, that was like a couple of a couple of duff results. I mean, she'd been injured, so there was a bit of there was a bit of reasoning behind it. But I mean, uh, you know, those are the things you try to look out for, aren't they? It's, that's that's the endless quest we're all on. Is like is 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 is. is is landing one of these quality golfers when the price is wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Jason, is there any more that you wanted to mention before we sort of move on? Uh, just interested in how Sophia Popov gets on. Um, obviously elevated her game with that in, incredible win um, in the Open. Um, couldn't win in California 
on the Symmetra Tour a year and a half ago. Um, and he's, you know, turning up and being 10th in Tournament of Champions and uh, contending, really. I mean, last week she was right up there after two rounds. Had a terrible, terrible weekend. Hasn't had a run here. Um, so I'm just interested to see how she, she develops, really. Um, God, there's an, I, I don't know why I'm getting involved in this. Another Japanese player that, again, Matt will have to help me out with, Nasa. Uh, go on, Matt. Hatoka. Hatoka. Yeah, yeah. yeah, really talented player. Um, hasn't done a lot this year, but won the Kia in 2019. Um, so, you know, potentially there's a link. Chase? When I first, sorry, I did think when I first saw it that, that she'd be a lot shorter than the 80 at one that she is. Um, so that was one. Um, and again, there's, there's two sisters again. Well, I can't, I can't just use Smith sisters or something, right? <laughs> um, Mariah Jasanagan, um, who has uh, loads of top tens in the major or the May year, um, as opposed to the major, uh, which I'm really keen on. The link uh, won the LA Open in California in 2018 and does have some decent finishes here. Right? Uh, so they were the other three, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one name that I'm kind of interested to see how she gets on, uh, Gabriella Ruffles. Matt, yeah. I know she she's you know she's only just turned professional very recently, um, and and I think it would be maybe a stretch for her to win so early on, but you know this is this is a girl that's full of potential. She was tied seventh, I think, after two rounds last year as an amateur, um, so she's had a look at the golf course. And you'd certainly expect. I mean, I think it's it's a certainly a big ask, which is why she's a big price. But I think it's certainly one name to, to keep an eye on. Oh, I, I definitely think so. I think she's like a fascinating story. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Switching from tennis, the, didn't she? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because the uh, I forgot what her name is now, but there's a there's a very successful tennis player who's um, who's done a similar sort. Of, and then there's like a there's another tennis player in Australia who's gone to cricket or something like that uh yeah and then her brother's a very her brother's a very good player i was quite surprised she's got a very american accent i think that's a, i think i think maybe her and her brother have lived quite a lot in uh, in america as well as she's been at college at college has, there yeah, yeah i mean um, i i think she looks a very uh very impressive player and uh you know last time she played at the game bridge which albeit it was like the end of last month so sort of four four five weeks ago uh, her, her stats were very good. Um, yeah, uh, it was only a putting really that let her down. So um, yeah, very good player, a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean it's it's been been sort of fits and starts between her starts, but her last three of her last four starts is fifth, thirteenth, and thirty sixth. And like you say, she she played her stats pretty well. So I think that just on overall potential, and obviously everyone knows her brother Ryan Raffles is is a, a highly touted. Uh, you know, young player who hasn't quite made his way yet, and it certainly seems to be that she will sort of explode onto the scene maybe slightly quicker. And it just it just makes for an interesting storyline, I think, and and certainly someone that maybe in two or three years' time we look back on as someone that that really stamps her authority on the tour. Yeah, she's she's can't, she can't be worse than Evgeny Kalnikov, can she? Who uh, left tennis behind and tried to play on the European tour. <laughs> That's true. I, I I I can come up with an even worse worse than that. I can't remember that. Uh, I can't remember her surname, but she's called Vera something, and she won the the rhythmic gymnastics gold at the Sydney 
Olympics, and she transferred to golf. Uh, Vera Shimerskaya, something like that. And uh, it was extraordinary. She got like a, a very poor card at LETQ school. And basically, she entered every tournament for about four years. And she, but she never, she never got into it. And that, but like, even even the ones she sometimes would get in, she 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 wouldn't she wouldn't no show until like the Wednesday. She's like the sort of a more enigmatic Victor Dubuisson before Victor Dubuisson showed up. It was extraordinary scenes. And then when she did play, barely ever broke eighty. Um, so the the these Russian transfers have got like a, a shocking record. Well, I certainly think if no one else learns anything from this podcast, I certainly did. Um, oh, there is so much that you've come up with, Matt, that that I, I knew that we were getting you on this for a reason because you know this is you're an expert in this kind of field. But some of the stories you've dived into this evening, uh, you know, either side of us talking about the actual golf tournament is is splendid. And Jason, I'm sure you'll uh, echo those comments on, on how lucky we are to have Matt on. Told you he was good, haven't we? Got him for free. Brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I haven't told you that I'm paying him, but but yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, it's certainly great, uh, Matt. I think we'll uh, we'll let you go unless you've got any more uh, sort of passing comments you want to to go into before uh, before we go. No, I don't think so. I'm just uh, I'm just really looking forward to a uh, uh, you know a, a good event, and uh, I'm I'm glad. But it's a strange business. The the wall has come down. I met. In my in my preview for Sporting Life, I have I have gone to town a bit about how the wall behind the 18th green is, is up there with the Berlin Wall as one of the most infamous constructions in history. Um, I feel a little bit sorry for whoever was responsible for putting it there because I can sort of see that they thought to themselves there used to be a stand there. Let's maintain the, the what's going on, but in actual fact. They turned an island green target into a sort of enormous baseball mitt that people just uh, and and Miriam Lee's caddy. There's a there's a there's a brilliantly sort of sort of cheerily dismissive quote where he just says, "We aimed at the middle of the green and just hit that blue thing at the back and got a free <laughs> drop." And it's like <laughs> that's that's not that's not what the sort of golden age golf architecture sort of experts would were thinking of when they created places like Sunningdale and and and, and Walton Heath and whatever. Yeah, they weren't thinking of horrible blue backdrops uh, that you just smack the ball into. Uh, so I'm glad I'm glad it's there. But, uh, but it, it's quite interesting. It does. It's strange. Everybody said that that weird construction last year changed the shot a bit. But actually, now there's nothing there to stop it. It's actually changed entirely again. It's not how the tournament is normally played. Um, so it will be interesting to see what happens on that par five. Absolutely. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. Let's let Matt go so he can go and uh, see the, the money up in his bank account. And uh, and Jason, we'll go on to the Valerius Texas Open on our next podcast. Yeah, Matt, thank you so much. Absolute diamond. Well done. Appreciate no it. No problem. Cheers, guys. Mm-hmm.